Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. Are you tired of traditional PD? You know, those boring sit-and-gets where everyone is expected to learn the same thing at the same time in the same way? Well, me too. As an educational leader, I have spent countless hours looking for something that would allow my staff the freedom to choose professional development opportunities aligned with their unique needs. And I never found it. So, I created it with the help of my friends over at Codebreaker. Introducing DisruptEd, our take on personalized professional development led by educators currently active in the field. Join my session, Equity by Design, where we will explore the intersection of equity and universal design for learning. Or join Matthew Joseph as he shares ways to take your personal connections to the next level through his session, Power of Connections. Or join Christine Ravesi Weinstein as she helps you to unpack stories of strength, struggle, and triumph in her session, Fighting Your Inner Voice. Each course is only $50, and you can sign up by using the link in the show notes. I look forward to learning and growing together. In this episode, I chat with Lindsay Titus, an educator of 16 years who started as a K-2 special education teacher for five years and then worked for seven years as a behavior consultant in different capacities. During this time, she worked at a residential school, for a non-for-profit, and even for a private insurance-based therapy company. Lindsay then returned to the public school system as a behavior specialist. She went on to complete her administrative coursework and was hired as an assistant principal in October of 2021. During our conversation, we talked about, well, behavior and the misconceptions that often surround this challenging topic. While Lindsay drops a ton of gems that could easily be used for motivational posters or even Twitter taglines, she doesn't dwell on the typical response of building relationships. While that is necessary, she also points out that we need to acknowledge the role that we play in the behaviors that we are witnessing, even if we are not directly responsible, and that it is okay to give space and grace to both the students and ourselves. Lindsay suggests that we, as adults, need to get better at recognizing and managing our own emotions so that we can do the same for our students, and even provide some ideas on how we can do so through small, simple, and strategic steps. Ready to reconsider the behaviors that we are all dealing with? Well, let's go. Hello, everyone. 
Welcome back to the Counter Narrative Podcast. So happy that you're here. I was just explaining uh, to our guest today that it has been a busy day. It's been a busy week uh, covering a class while trying to principal. And we just wrapped up our family Valentine's Day dance virtually, of course, because, you know, COVID's weird and we never know what the heck is going on. So one day, one day we'll be back to normal. But all of that aside, I am excited. I will be honest, our, the guest that I have on today is somebody that, um, you know, it's you when you're getting into the edu Twitter and all those spaces, you're like, oh, I got to follow this person because they're amazing. Lindsay was one of the very first people that I was like, I have to follow her. Like, it's amazing. So the fact that I get to connect with her in this space makes me happy. Maybe this is the last episode. I'm done now. My life. No, I'm joking. Uh, so uh, for those of you watching, you could already see her. those of you listening. Um, you're 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 out of luck. Sorry. So um, we're going to get started here. Lindsay, Lindsay, how are you this evening? Uh, so good. I'm, I'm not going to lie, a little bit tired, but super excited to connect with you and, and be here. Um, so yeah, I'm ready to dive in and uh, just, just excited. All right. Wonderful. Well, for anybody who may not know who you are, maybe they were not like, you know, following your spaces uh, like I was when I first ventured into these areas. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. And something I always ask, my favorite part, maybe an interesting thing that maybe not many people know about. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I've been an educator for 16 years. Um, and I love the term educator because I've done a little bit of everything. Um, so prior to getting into this as a career, teaching was like it for me. Like I knew from second grade, like, I'm going to be a teacher. And ironically enough, my first year teaching, I did not like it. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? Oh, my goodness. This this isn't going to work. Um, luckily, I had some really strong mentors, some people that kind of guided me. And um, I've done a little bit of everything in education. So I was a self-contained special education teacher for five years uh, for kindergarten through second grade. And then I really fell in love with behavior. And so I went back and I became a board certified behavior analyst. For, the, or for about 12 years, I had different roles as a behavior consultant. So residential school, I worked for a non-for-profit. I did uh, in-home ABA therapy, did a little bit of everything. And then I went back into the public school four years ago as a behavior specialist. Um, and then once the pandemic hit, I went back to school, decided to get my admin certification. And so uh, in October of 2021, I started as an assistant principal where I am now for a junior high school. Um, and so a little bit of everything. So I love bringing different different aspects of each role into what I do. Um, outside of that, interest, I'm pretty I'm pretty low key. Like if I'm not working, I'm home. Um, I'm a family family person. I have a seven year old daughter. Um, my husband. We live in Rochester, New York. Um, fun fact, I guess. So so two that come to mind. Um, I was actually born in Canada. Um, so born in Canada, came to the U.S. when I was in second grade. Um, became an American citizen when I was 21. So I went through the whole, you know, test. I became a, you know, had to do all of that. Um, the second fun fact is I'm currently six months pregnant. <laughs> so that is adding to some of the exhaustion I'm feeling this year, I think. Um, but it's also super exciting uh, at the same time. That is wonderful. So you are this just a, like you're the second guest in a row. Uh, that was currently pregnant. Well, Ryan wasn't pregnant. His wife was pregnant. Um, and then shortly after the episode aired, he became a daddy again for the third time, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I don't know, maybe that'll be a trend here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations uh, on the new position and, you know, on, on the new uh, little one. Do you know what you're having yet? 
Uh, yes, it's another girl. Another girl. Okay, be yep. careful. My wife and I, we have five. Like, oh, just, just, just at some point, you're like, no, I'm done. Right. <laughs> we we didn't learn that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I, we're, I'm so fortunate that you're in this space and that you're bringing with you a wealth of information. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious, you know, you've spent so much time, especially in that behavioral space, um, you know, and so I'm curious, especially in that area, when we start talking about how do we challenge the narrative? What are those stories that are not told or those misconceptions that we may have around students struggling like with behavioral issues? I'm sure you have some stories. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to changing narratives, I think when it when it comes to the one that I'm really wo working on right now, especially this year with everything going on, is really looking at um, long term behavior change. And so in order to do that, you also have to look at short term behavior change. I think sometimes we want to look at it as an or, you know, am I going to change their behavior short term or long term? And I did that for years and I, it was like the hamster wheel effect, right? I would get like really quick changes and then like a month would go by and I'd be like, we're back to square one. And it was so frustrating as a teacher. And so then I started to figure out, okay, what if it's not an or, what if it's an and? So what if it's, what can, what changes can we make in the short term to help the student? And what changes can we, what skills can we teach with the student to make long-term changes? So the short-term changes really are more adult-driven in my perspective, whereas the long-term changes are what are we teaching the student to change so that the outcome is different, but it's still getting that result. But I think all of that really stems changing the narrative on what are consequences, what are they for, and really understanding that they're a tool for behavior change through skill development as opposed to the code of conduct says I have to do this, and so this is what what is going to happen? Because that's not going to necessarily change things. But when I think of that systemic change, if we're if the definition we're using doesn't really serve the end goal, that's where I think we can get kind of in this like tug of war. This is what I think. This is what I'm should happen, and you're just like stuck. So I think sometimes having that like concrete, true like definition and what we're looking for um, can be really be helpful. That's that's great. You know, I, I just. You're, you're, what you're saying is making me think of a Twitter post that I saw the other day uh, where we talk a lot in education of this either or, right? It's this or that. And it's like, well, can it ever be both? And, and what you're saying makes sense, right? This intrinsic or extrinsic. But well, if we want it to become internalized, sometimes you got to do little things to get you there. And so that mm -hmm. just makes sense instead of kind of battling, right? Kind of finding that middle ground. Yeah, we get, we just get stuck. And and I, I see that in education. I see that in just in your daily life, right? You're going to do this or that. And sometimes that works, but sometimes it's, you do need a little bit of both. And so when we can shift to that and we're utilizing both perspectives, we're utilizing teacher voice and student voice, we're utilizing parent input and admin input. Like it's, it's everybody's invited to the table and then there's nothing really to exclude because we're bringing it all together. And then we can all figure out, you know, I look at everything as kind of a piece to the puzzle come into the mix and everybody then has a voice. Everybody feels heard. And really, I think when we're talking long-term change, that's one of the biggest players is everybody's got to feel heard and, and then move forward together as a group. And I think when you can drop the or and add in the and, it's a simple, easy way that has a really big impact. So I'm curious with with all the work that you've done. I, I'm right. I'm, I'm in the same boat sometimes. I, we we have student behaviors right at school. It's part of what we do. 
Um, and, and you have these traditional mindsets. I don't want to say like old or old school, right? But these traditional mindsets, whether it's a traditional teacher or it is a new teacher who just only knows traditional approaches. And so how do you normally communicate with them who are like, no, like these are the rules. This is what you're going to do. Kind of my way or the highway sort of thinking. Yeah. So I think for me, and, and a lot of this stemmed as a behavior specialist is I look at behavior as something we all engage in, right? It's not just, it's not student challenging behavior. It's we all engage in behaviors to serve our needs. And so again, it comes, everything that I do stems from the definition that I hold. So what do I believe to be true about behavior? It's communicative. It holds meaning. It holds value, right? We don't do things if they're not valuable to us or they're not serving us in some way. I might not agree with what that value is, but that's okay. That opens up the door to conversation. And so I think for me, it's always about opening up conversation and engaging in that understanding. Help me understand your perspective. Here's my perspective. And then how do we sometimes meet in the middle, but understanding the middle might not be like 50-50, right? The middle might be something different. Um, But as long as we, you know, I always then attach it to the end goal because nine times out of 10, we all have the same end goal. It's just how we're getting there might look a little different. So I use a lot of I notice this, I wonder this, and that helps really open up the conversation I find with whether it's a student, a parent, a teacher, a colleague, you know, whoever I'm interacting with. Um, but I just think it comes down to realizing that I don't have all the answers. I never will. And sometimes the best answers are in the room with me. We just have to engage in conversations so that we can, we can figure it out together. You know, it's, I love the fact that you, you mentioned that behaviors are are avenues of communication. Um, And it makes me think. So for example, I remember one time I was teaching at uh, my old elementary school, actually. Um, And and there was, we were having a severe weather drill. It was actually a severe weather situation. And there was this kid who who was not doing what we asked, right? You're supposed to kind of get in the hallway, kind of duck and cover. Um, And he wasn't, right? He's being defiant. He's doing all these things. And the teachers were getting mad. They were yelling at him. This is what I need you to do. And now he wasn't my student. I just happened to be walking by. And so I stopped him. I said, hey, what, like, what's going on? And he said, my mom, I'm worried about my mom. Okay. Like, I get it. Like, so you are concerned about mom. And so he, you know, he's, he's still going, he's still going. I said, don't worry. I'm sure mom is okay. We as adults, we know what to do in these situations. And he kept going and to come to find out, he said, no, we live in the bathroom at the gas station. And I just looked at him like, what? And so we called, we called the gas station. We, I took him to the office. We called the gas station, right? And of course, now the, this other teacher is like, what are you doing? He's supposed to be on the floor. I'm like, well, clearly that's not going to happen. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're doing isn't working. So we called the gas station. Sure enough, because I'm thinking maybe something's missing there. No, sure enough, mom was in the station with the attendant and they were kind of like ducking for cover inside there. Um, and so now we learned like, no, this is a situation that we kind of have to address as a whole, but he, he didn't know how to communicate that to us, right? If, if nobody had stopped to listen, or I guess in that case, if I hadn't stopped to listen to say, what are you really trying to say? We would never have known. And I highly doubt that that kid would have ever, right. He had would probably ended up with a detention because he wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, and it's not always, but sometimes it is just that question, help me understand what's going on. So, you know, and I, I'm not going to lie, some days I'm better at that than others, right? I'm human too. My emotions fly through the roof depending on on the given day. But 
I always come back to what's the root of the problem. And if I don't know it in that, and sometimes I will say that to the kid, we're going to keep working together until we can figure out where this is coming from. Because I know it's not about the cell phone. I know it's not about um, the hood or the hat or whatever it is. I know there's something more and it's okay that you're not ready to tell me yet. I get that, but I'm not giving up. And I will let, I will let the kids know that. Um, because I'm not, I'm going to keep helping them get to that route. Cause sometimes they don't even know, right. They're, they're like, I don't know what's going on. Something just doesn't feel right. And I think a lot of that boils down to truly knowing what emotion you're feeling, truly knowing how to handle these different emotions. So what can look like not following directions is truly a scared response or a stress response or an anger response. And they just don't know how to use those words yet. So we work together. And I know as an adult, I'm learning that now. And so I know some of my colleagues are learning it too. So it's not just something that like you turn 18 and boom, you figure this out. Like this is a lifelong process. And so I just think it's important to model it, but also have grace that everybody's on a different path and different journey, especially the kids that we're working with, especially this year after the pandemic. It's interesting that you said that, right? As adults, we're still learning to process our emotions. And so in my building, we're, we're K through eight. And so the idea that somehow we would think that, I don't know, a seven-year-old, <laughs> you know, has the capacity to reflect and digest the emotions that they're feeling and then have the vocabulary to adequately express mm-hmm. themselves. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to express this in the basic way that I know how, in the most biological way I know how. And that's by, right, whatever it is, I'm crying or throwing a fit because I don't like what's happening, but I don't know how to communicate that to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the trainings I give it talks about being emotionally competent. And I, I kind of like, not like changed the slide a little bit, but I basically, I'm like real blunt. And I'm like, our students are not emotionally competent. Like it's not, they're, they're just not. And I know that because our brain is still developing. Our brain is still developing, which means our emotions are still being learned and processed. And so if I'm not emotionally competent as a child, whatever age, then as the adult, I need to provide emotional first aid probably more than I would think I, I should need to, right? And I just think that's a huge part. It's exhausting, not gonna lie, it's tiring. It takes a lot out of us, which I think is why it's so important for educators themselves to have their own degree of emotional resilience and understanding your emotions because, you know, just like we know that you can't pour from an empty cup, it's the same thing. You can't provide emotional first aid when you yourself are suffering from, you know, a, like, like emotional, an emotional overload. So I think that's important, right? We, we we talk about maybe stepping away, but as adults, you know, we, yeah, I don't think we often recognize like when that happens, we, we are individuals, we are humans. And so we have those emotional reactions. And sometimes even though we think or we're, we're hoping that we're making the situation better, we're in fact creating a much worse. I, I, I think back to the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that we all contribute to the emotion. And that's immediately what I was thinking about, like the, that child's situation, that behavior that's happening. What role am I having in what I'm seeing within that child? And I, I may be having the best of intentions and in trying to intervene or, or interact, but maybe, maybe I'm, I'm part of the cause of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, something I've learned is I think we, you know, we all do the best we can with what we have each and every day. Like that's a, that's a standard that I just, it's not mine. It's, you know, it's out there, but it's, it's one that I've adopted as my own because I have to remind myself that, that every day is not going to look the same for me. 
every day is not going to feel the same. Every situation is not going to be the same. And it's the same for the, the adults and the students I work with. And so I, I remind myself that to, to just simply kind of ground myself into what's going on, how am I feeling, and what part of this am I involved in? Because every situation I'm involved in some way, shape, or form, some way more than others. The crazy thing that our minds do is our mind wants us to, again, kind of back to that or our mind wants us, it's like it is my fault or it's not my fault. And it's like, no, it's okay to be a part of it. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong, but you're there. We're part of it. Let's work through it. And our brain wants to say like, no, it's not my, you know, it wants this like definitive answer. And so I think we just have to be okay with not having that. And as a previous type A person, that was so hard for me to let go of. But once I did, and I truly just kind of look at each situation for what it is, it actually makes things a lot easier to process in the moment, especially during those like super crazy days. So I, I have two questions. Um, you know, I, I normally ask about kind of how do we deal with this? Because I, I know that there are probably people listening who are saying, you know, a couple of things. So my, my, my first question is this, um, before I address the one that I'm sure that many of my listeners and, and I know my teachers have said to me, um, I, I know you mentioned we need to get better about recognizing our own emotions and, and better self-regulating, even as adults. So what are some tips or ideas that you may have that as an adult that I can become better at doing that so that way I can better serve the students I'm working with? Yeah. And so I love this question because I think, and, and it's funny, the first few times I would answer it, I was, was like, this answer is going to be really simple. <laughs> and then the more that I, you know, through coaching and the work that I do, I'm like, but that's what we need, right? Especially in a world that's so crazy yeah. and so overcomplicated. I think we forget that simple is the way to go. Um, and so my, my key is always think of small, simple, and strategic steps. So for me, what that means is small, it's something that you can do in less than 30 seconds. Simple means it doesn't require any other materials. I don't have to go buy anything. I don't have to go get this. I don't have to do that. And then strategic means you're, you're doing it to focus on you, right? That's a strategy to focus on you. So and when I'm talking about emotions, and again, you can go as far with this as you want, but something that really helped me is I would, I printed out a, it's going to sound really funny, but I printed out like a template of a body, you know, like just like a, a human outline, if you will. And I carried it around with me. And when I would feel different emotions through my day, I would mark them on the paper. So anger was red and I would put a red dot like right in my shoulder. So for me, I feel anger like through my neck and my shoulders. If I felt sadness, I'd feel it in my stomach. So I put like a blue dot on my stomach. And I base it, happiness, I feel um, in my more like in, it's like funny, it's like up here. I feel it like in like my cheekbones, like from smiling, right? And so I would mark that because I, while I was taught emotions growing up, you know, I was taught, okay, this is happy, this is sad, this is mad, all those. I wasn't actually taught like how to feel them. And so by just truly listening to your body, your body has all the answers it's ever going to need. And I would, and I, so I would mark these down and that way, when I was feeling them, I, I now know, like if I start to feel cringiness in my shoulders, it takes maybe a second to be like, I'm angry about something. Where, what's making me angry right now? What's the situation? Um, the second thing that I do with that is really taking, again, 30 seconds. I think sometimes we think we have to sit, you know, if we hear reflection or meditation or any of those words, we think like 30 to 60 minutes. And I want you to start with 30 seconds. So I would sit for 30 seconds. I would time it on my phone and I would just sit with my eyes closed and I would just feel. 
and you can start to feel the emotion kind of running through your body. So those two things paired together, it's kind of like the compound effect. Like when you do those two small things, it leads to a much bigger impact because you're truly listening to your body and not anybody else that, that might be influencing you externally. I, I love those ideas. Small, simple, strategic. Uh, you're right. I think a lot of times when we're thinking about these things, like people are like already jumping on Amazon to order their new yoga mat or something. And it's like, no, no, you don't have to do all of that. Sorry, Amazon. But Jeff, I think you're going to be okay financially. Um, so yeah, it's I, I like that idea. Small, simple, strategic. And the beautiful thing about that is it's not just something that as teachers, right? If we we can give that to students that they could do at their desks or you know in, in, in a safe space within the classroom, something simple they could do. And I never considered that. Like the idea about where you're carrying things. We my wife and I, we just went uh we just went for massages, right? Valentine's Day just passed. And that was something she would always tell me is she would try to, she's like, man, you're carrying a lot of tension here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't feel anything, but maybe, maybe I should pay a little more attention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now on the second part, the the other question I had, because I know there are some people listening that are like, yeah, okay, Lindsay, that, that sounds great, but I'm busy. Things are crazy when that's happening in my classroom. I don't have time to stop and try to process everything that's going on through a child. So what would you say, like, if, if I'm in that space, something is happening, what are some practical ways that I could address a child? Maybe if I don't have a lot of time or, you know, there are things happening. Yeah. And I, again, I keep it, I keep it super simple um, and straightforward. I'm really real with kids. Again, I started out teaching kindergartners. Um, I've worked with everybody up through 21. So yes, the language shifts a little bit. You will talk to a 21-year-old a little bit differently, hopefully, than a kindergartner. Um, but the piece, I, I always say, keep it real, keep it keep it real and raw is how I say it. Again, that's going to differ depending on your age group. But um, I think, you know, I'm sorry it are two of the most powerful words that we can use when a student is, is showing some type of stress response. I'm so sorry that this is happening. I'm so sorry that your body is, you know, that not necessarily that you're feeling it because I'm not sorry that they're feeling it, but I'm just sorry that this is happening. Something is happening. Um, I always validate their emotions. Your emotions are real. What you are feeling is real. And then if I'm not able to in the moment, like get, you know, get down and really like go through it with the student, I will say that. I will say right now, I want to make sure that, that you are safe and I want to help our other students make sure they know what to do. You know, and and so I might have something set up, like if you have a calming corner, if you have a calm down task, if you have something to have that student, if you could do this, so I'm going to get the class going and then I can go check in on that student. A lot of times the students aren't ready to process it sometimes in that moment anyway. They just want to feel heard and validated and given time and space. So I like to say give time, give space, and then give yourself grace as the teacher because we often will give time and space, but then we bring on guilt. Well, I should have done more. I could have done this. What do I do with my other kids? So that's where we can't ever forget to give ourselves grace because there is only one of you and there's a lot going on in your classrooms. And so, and I think giving grace is something that we say we do a lot, but it's one of those things. I don't know if we actually are doing it. Um, I know for myself, that's been a big focus this year is giving myself grace, like getting to bed when I have to, um, you know, leave and work when I have to because I've got so much going on. And I know I'm a better administrator because of it. 
And I think there, it, you're, it, and to be honest with yourself, if there's a lot going on in your classroom, there's a lot going on in your classroom. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. In fact, I don't believe we, we can do wrong things. I think, again, we do the best in each situation with what we have. And I think as educators or teachers, we have to give ourselves permission to, to get to that place. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. I'm going to learn and grow from this experience into tomorrow. I'm going to be a better teacher tomorrow because of it. Doesn't mean you weren't a good teacher today. And, but I think it's thinking too proactively and preventatively. So if a student does have a stress response in my classroom, where am I going to have them go? What am I going to say? Script it out, role play it out, write it out, be ready for it. So in the moment, you're not doing a fight, flight, or freeze response yourself. And you can kind of have your go-to plan and what you're going to say. So, I mean, it, for those of you listening, now you know why I, I have followed Lindsay. Um, there, there, there's so many gems there. You know, I, I mean, from the idea that practice it, right? Because, yeah, when, when that sparks off, if you're not prepared, now you're just adding to it, right? I, I love the idea of giving yourself that grace as teachers, Um Something I try to communicate, I know, to my staff all the time, but just in general, right? I think grace became a very popular word during the pandemic, um, maybe mm-hmm. almost cliched, but no, there there is power in, in recognizing. And we just actually used that the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago at one of our meetings, like doing the best you can with what you have. Like that's that's all I'm asking for. Um, and so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's. It's great. And if I think, again, putting those things together, if you have that space where a student can practice a simple uh, strategic and there was one other word, I lost the word. Small. There we go. Small. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something that they could practice with in the classroom, you know, Mm -hmm. and and just recently I was down uh, at a conference um, at the IPA conference and, and Ruby Payne was there. Um, and I know Ruby, you know, there's some ideas here and there about her, but one of the things she talked about was exactly this is that we tend to rush in to try to solve that problem. And we have to recognize, as you mentioned, that space, giving students an opportunity to try to figure out where they're at, because when we're like, all right, tell me what's wrong. Like my lizard brain that's now activated cannot tell you what is wrong. And, and if you're like, I need to know what's wrong. I can't tell you what's wrong. You're being defiant. Now it's activating even more like this is not going to be successful at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. understanding that, like, yeah, giving yourself that space and oh, it's OK. It's OK to let that child process for a little bit in a structured space. Um, just so much here. And, and I don't know about you. Right. But um, I think that this is pivotal right now. There are so many emotions Mm -hmm. that are stemming. In fact, I just was talking with some of my teachers in the hallway. They're like, what is going on? I said, well, you know, we're we're still dealing with the trauma out of this whole pandemic. It's not over. I know we tend to act like it's over. Mm -hmm. I said, and, you know, we've been cooped up. People don't get to go anywhere. And we talk about spring fever and spring fever, especially when you can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, everybody's going a little stir crazy. Not crazy. I should use a better word, but you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I, I appreciate you being able to give us these practical ideas and this feedback. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that in this, this came from my own journey, you know, five years in, I burnt out of this position, you know, I, I burnt out of teaching. I was ready to call it quits. I was ready to say, you know, I'll just, I'm going to be the statistic. I was a special ed teacher that dropped out five years in and you know, again, luckily I had people in my corner that said, just, you can stay within education, just go a different route, like go a different path. It's okay. 
And that opened the door for me. And it, it was, it wasn't until about like four years ago that I finally was like, you know what, I want to be an educator, but I want to also do other things. I don't want this to be my sole identity. I don't want to wake up, you know, go to work, go to bed thinking about, about teaching. And that's what I was doing. I was, you know, from 6am to 10pm, that was it, you know, and then, and then I added in trying to be a wife, trying to be a mom. And I was like, this is just not happening. Like, how do people do this? And I had to really realize like, what do I value in life? And I think that's okay. Like one of my big things for educators is love your life inside and outside of the classroom. It is possible through these, through these little steps that we're taking. And I think this year we're seeing it and feeling it a whole lot more. And that's why I think the more we can just tie it to, you know, what are you feeling versus you are the feeling, right? Like I'm, I'm not angry. Like I'm Lindsay. (laughs) That's who I am. I'm, I'm an admin. I'm a mom. I'm a wife, you know, but I'm not angry. I'm feeling angry in this moment because this just happened, you know, or, or one small tweak I've been trying to make is instead of saying like today was really challenging or today was a super tough day is saying today was a day filled with challenging moments. Today was a day that really challenged me. Today was a day that made me think outside the box. Um, because when you do that, I think, again, another thing I was, as you were talking that I, that I do each day to kind of end on a note of who am I and what did I do today is I, before I leave my office and you could do this in the classroom too, I make a list of three things that, that I did that day that, that happened. The thing that I push educators to is add to that list, what part of it you were involved in. And to so many educators, like it feels selfish. Like it feels, it doesn't feel right. I'm like, exactly. Cause we're not that's not, that's not quote unquote normal to write like what part you had, you know, but, but today, you know, I, um, I led a, you know, student mediation meeting, um, that I set up and I led and supported the students to, you know, repair a, a relationship. I was a part of that. I didn't do it all, but I was a part of it and it's absolutely okay. And I think right now it's a necessity to celebrate the steps we are taking every day versus focusing on maybe what we didn't do in a day. Well, still, I mean, so many powerful things. And you're right. We, we, we struggle, I think, with, with not only acknowledging the role that we had, but also appreciating like it's OK to give yourself some love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And I, I know if, if she's listening, I have a few teachers who are like, really? Because you never do it, Mr. Williams. Like, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's not a normal thing for us to do. We, we spend so much time pouring into others that when we get that appreciation back, we're like, wait, wait, what? Like, no, I'm just, I'm just doing my job, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing me. Um, so Lindsay, thank you. Thank you for all of these, these gems. I know that I am, you know, taking plenty away. And so I, if, if they haven't realized by now, our staff, like if you want to get previews of upcoming like PDs and meetings, just listen to the podcast because I learn and grow here. And I'm like, Ooh, I could take that back to the staff. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for that. I'm sure that they will be appreciative. Uh, so as we begin to wrap up here, um, I'm sure that you have gained a few more fans, a few more followers, but how can they find you? Um, you know, where can they look? How could they connect with you? What do you have out there? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I absolutely would love to connect. I love um, just connecting and sharing and learning from, you know, it's one of the beauties of the social media space, um, for sure. So I'm on I'm on all the social media sites. Not gonna lie, I have not been as active lately because of (laughs) 
baby number two taking up a little bit more energy than I thought. Um, but I am on, you know, if you search for me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I'm there. The easiest place actually is my website, which is defineuniversity.com. Um, so that is my my business where I do coaching of teacher mindset and emotion, emotional resilience, um, and all the links are there. But if you search for me on all the major on the major sites, then uh, you can all find right. me there. Wonderful. So make sure that you go and check her out. I'll make sure that we include that information in the show notes in case you know you're you're driving or something. Please do not stop and try to find her. Um, but with that being said, Lindsay, thank you, thank you for being on the show, of course, and and sharing some wonderful information. But also, just thank you for being being who you are, being an amazing educator, and and putting out into the world, uh, you know taking care of your kids, right? All of those wonderful things and just contributing. Uh, I know it's weird, right? Because we just talked about being open to praise. So I'm just trying to trying to give you some praise here as well. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. No, it's been a blast. And I think, yeah, every teacher has a story to tell. Every teacher has a voice. So, so use it, share your story, use your voice. Um, and it, to me, it's the best way to fall back in love with, you know, who you are and what you're doing. Absolutely. Every day. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much. I look forward to continuing following you and connecting with you and all the amazing work that you're doing. I, I wish you the very best and uh, good luck with baby number two. <laughs> thank you so much. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.